It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Pack Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. We are going to talk about the rookie class as the Packers get set to open rookie camp coming up later this week. Uh, And that is not going to be, you know, the the end-all be-all of what these rookies are going to be, but it will give us the first glimpse into what they are and, and what they can be. I don't think anyone should be taking away, you know, these these profound predictions about what this uh, rookie class can be. But I, I do think, you know, you, you can see who looks lost and who doesn't um, and, and who stands out, who athletically pops maybe a little bit more than you thought they would. What I want to do is, is go through um, this class and try and project uh, the roles. Where are they going to compete? Where are they likely to have an impact in year one? And from a playing time standpoint, what does that mean? When we get closer to training camp, we will go through and discuss, as we did last year, what we feel like um, success looks like for these guys. And, you know, we talked last year a lot about Jordan Love. What is it? What does it look like to be successful? What is? What are the the trademarks? What are the touchstones? What are the benchmarks? Coming up tomorrow on the show, we have Clemson receivers coach Tyler Grisham to talk about Amari Rogers. So we will get to that coming up later this week. We also have Ty Dunn on the show to talk about the column that he wrote for Go Long, which is his website, his newsletter about Jordan Love and his readiness to come in if he is called upon. Um, It was great to talk to Ty. Ty wrote last year about the Jordan Love pick, why it was an inspired decision and, and how it could spawn another decade plus of success. Uh, We will get to that in just a little bit. As we look at the rookies, though, it seems like the guy most likely to come in right away and make an impact is Josh Myers. And I, I think that's true just because it seems like he is the guy most likely to come in and compete to actually start. I don't think 
there is a direct path for Eric Stokes to come in and start. I don't think there is a direct path for Amari Rodgers to come in and truly start, start and become, you know, like a, a, uh, a, a cornerstone of this offense. I think Shamar Jean Charles could come in and and compete to be the nickel. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, I think TJ Slayton could come in and have a role. But the guy who I think is most likely because he could be the day one starter at center is Josh Myers. And whether it's it's at guard or at center, you know, David Bakhtiari is going to be ready at some point. Ellen Jenkins is going to play and Billy Turner is going to play. Those other two spots are up for grabs. Now, Lucas Patrick played 90% of snaps last year. He was solid. He was reliable. And, you know, if, if someone like Myers can come in and be the starting center, he could play 90 plus percent. Ellen Jenkins played 99.8% of offensive snaps last year. That is remarkable. The guy was durable. The guy was versatile. He was everything you could have asked for. Someone like Myers, I think, is going to be given the opportunity to come in and compete. After those other two guys, you know, we know Jenkins and Turner are going to be there week one, or at least based on what we know right now. We don't know if Bakhtiari is going to be doing it. I think Green Bay is going to be cautious with him. And that leaves two spots. Lucas Patrick, John Runyon Jr., uh, Josh Myers, uh, Simon Stepanek, who I've been calling... Steven Stepanek, I think, all offseason. Apologize. Um, Rick Wagner's gone. So I think Royce Newman is going to be your swing tackle. So now you have these guys who are going to come in and compete along the interior. If Myers is your day one starter at, at center, that makes everything else around it easier because then Jen Jenkins can play left tackle while David Bakhtiari gets healthy. Uh, or you, you can have Royce Newman play left tackle. Probably you want Royce uh, at right tackle with Billy Turner at left tackle. You have a lot of different options here. But Josh Myers is going to get the chance to start at center. It is the most uh, intuitive option here. Even if it is the case that Elton Jenkins is the best center on the team. Um, number one, he's more valuable as a guard. And number two, uh, he, he is a really good left guard. He is probably the best left guard on the team. And so it's more important that he play there. Now, the question at the corner position is interesting because we assume Kevin King is going to be the starter on the outside. And for all of the, the time that he missed... He actually played a ton last year relative to the rest of this defense. Adrian Amos plays the most. Um, you know, your, your starters in the secondary, Amos, Alexander, and Savage played by far the most on the team. Preston and Zedaria Smith were next. And then it's Shannon Sullivan and Kevin King. Kevin King played 65% of snaps last year. Uh, Shannon Sullivan played in that 71 range. Those two guys are probably going to start. And then in the time that King missed... Josh Jackson played, so he played 32% of snaps. And Kadar Holman played 10 on defense, mostly in, in blowout games, you know, late against the Falcons. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this defensive backfield shakes out. Where does Eric Stokes compete, and how much does he get a chance to get on the field right away? If they want to get him on the field right away, 
Special teams seems like the easiest way to do that. Return kicks. Um, I think Amari Rodgers is your day one punt returner, but I think Stokes on kick returns would be fun as a gunner on kick coverage. You don't usually have your first round pick doing that, but if Kevin King is going to win that boundary job and Josh Jackson, you know, this, this defensive scheme change is most beneficial to him. How much benefit of the doubt is he going to get? I don't know, but I've been saying for months If he can't play in this defense, if he can't be your third boundary corner in this defense, then he just can't play. This defense is tailor-made to his skill set. Eyes in the backfield, reading the cornerback, driving on routes. Use your playmaking skills, use your ball skills, and go make plays. That is where he is at his best. If he can't do it, then he can't do it, period, anywhere. He just can't. And that's unfortunate. Uh, longtime listeners of this show, longtime followers of me on Twitter know that I'm a huge Josh Jackson fan. I have been since before the draft, but he has been extremely disappointing in the league. Now, I think he was better than Kevin King last year in the small sample size that we got. I felt like he at least matched Kevin King, if not outplayed him in the games that he played. And so I thought he, he should have been given more consideration to play later in the season. I would have been fine letting Kevin King walk. And just saying, okay, Josh Jackson and whatever corner that that the Packers draft, let's go. Now, I think this gives them the opportunity to see if Stokes can play in the slot, to see if Stokes can play on the boundary and let Jair Alexander play a little bit more in the slot. There are some different things versatility-wise that you can do here. Um, I, I just, I don't see a path to him playing a lot this season unless Josh Jackson doesn't make this team. I think he's going to make this team. So this is this is for, you know, injury strike. They lose Shannon Sullivan and Kevin King. Okay, now Eric Stokes gets to play. I think that's most likely. And that's okay. Now it should be said that Kevin King in the last year of his deal, not not drafted by this regime, not drafted by this coaching staff head coach or DC not drafted by this defensive backs coach. So uh, there cannot be loyalty here. If Josh Jackson is better, he should play. If Eric Stokes is better, he should play. And you can go back to Kevin King as a rookie. He was like cornerback seven on the depth chart. He was not getting reps in training camp. He was not getting reps with the ones. And then sure enough, week one comes out and he's the dime corner. And it, it seemed like it was all on pedigree. He was the top pick that year. He wasn't a first-round pick, but he was the top pick. Could Eric Stokes be in the same position? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But he's going to have to show something in camp. He's going to have to outplay Josh Jackson. And if he does that, it could just be because he plays well, or it could be, be because Josh Jackson just isn't the guy that we thought he could be. And I think we can already say he probably isn't the guy that we thought he could be. Could he still be a a useful NFL player? Yeah, he could. Today's episode is brought to you by Nugenics. 
specifically Nugenics Total T, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. And they are offering a complimentary bottle to every football fan in America. Just text draft to 231-231. Plus, if you text right now, they'll text, they'll give you a bottle of Nugenics Thermal, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text draft to 231-231. That's draft to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. There's a reason Nugenics has been the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC for years. It works. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, but also the NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, boxing, NFL futures. It's all there at Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the stuff they have to offer. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Plus, right now, for our listeners, they will give you a 50% deposit bonus. Go to the website. Sign up today. It is free to sign up. Use the promo code locked on and they will match your first deposit up to 50% with the promo code locked on. That's right. You put money in and use the promo code locked on and they will match it up to 50%. So if we look at some of the other the other picks here. Amari Rogers is a fascinating one to me because this is a team that could really use his skill set. So let's go back. Let's go back and think about what this team looked like early on when Tyler Irvin was healthy. Tyler Irvin was essentially the starter in 11 personnel. It was two receivers. You know, it was Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and Tyler Irvin. Or at least that's how it seemed, right? Except if you go back and you look at the snap rates, um, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard were clearly the starters. MBS was playing about half the time. And Tyler Irvin was out there mm, 18% of offensive snaps. That's not a lot. But his pre-snap motion was crucial. I mean, the, the use of that motion was an enormous part of the offense, and it created opportunities for weeks after that. If he was on the field, teams had to worry that he was going to get the ball. You look at week two, Tyler Irvin played 38% of snaps because that jet motion was so impactful. It was so impactful in moving defenses and making them react. Well, there is no Tyler Irvin on this team anymore. That responsibility is going to go to Amari Rogers right away. He's not even going to have to compete for it. It's his job because there is no other guy. So he could walk into a role where he's playing 30, 35% of snaps or even more. You know, week three, Tyler Irvin, 37% of snaps. That's a real role in the offense. Now it's wide receiver four. You know, if we're talking about fantasy purposes, it's not like he's going to get some huge target share. In New Orleans, same deal. Tyler Irvin, 37% of snaps. That's a lot. 
Now he was consistently being passed by these other guys. What's interesting, you look at that that Falcons game, week four. No Lazard, no Adams. Marquez Valdez-Scantling played the most snaps in that game, played 97% of snaps. Malik Taylor played 71%. Darius Shepard, 57%. Still, Tyler Urban, right in that same spot, 37%. The difference is Amari Rodgers can actually be useful as a receiver. So if you can actually be useful as a receiver, maybe you can sneak into a role where you're playing 40, 50% of snaps. Now, the problem is, if Adams is healthy, if Lazard is healthy, if MVS is healthy, they're playing. In 11 personnel, they're playing. And so how often do you want to use that? Could they go to more 12 personnel? Devontae Adams, single receiver on the field with Rodgers. And you send him in motion in those jet stuff. There is a lot of different ways that you could do it. But I think he he steps into a role, a defined role, where he could he could walk into easy 30% of snaps, 40% of snaps, or better, and get targets right away, have have plays called for him right away. I mean, there is a clearly defined role for what this guy looks like in their offense. Royce Newman is a fascinating case to me because injuries. That was a huge part of the story for this team last year. A huge part. And their ability on the offensive line to, you know, with with bailing wire and sheet metal, just sort of piece something together. Rick Wagner played almost 59% of snaps last year. More than half the time he was out there. I mean, they had they had six guys play over half the snaps because of injury. John Runyon played another 15% of snaps and over, I think he had four starts because Corey Lindsley was hurt. Well, now Corey Lindsley's gone and David Bakhtiari is hurt. Rick Wagner is gone. So if Josh Myers takes one of those starting spots, now you don't have a swing tackle. That swing tackle is going to be Royce Newman. Now you don't want him to play all those snaps, and, and they have the luxury of, of having these interior guys who can fill that lane. So if Elton Jenkins plays tackle while Bach gets healthy, you have Myers, Runyon, and uh, Patrick to fill that role. But then during the season, how do you want to handle it? If Billy Turner gets hurt once Bakhtiari gets back, do you want to move Elton Jenkins? Or do you want to slide in Royce Newman? I don't I don't know what the answer is. It's going to depend on how, how how comfortable you feel with Newman. If Newman can play and they feel comfortable with him in pass protection, seems like from a continuity standpoint, you'd rather keep that continuity. But it may also be the case that your, your best right tackle is Elton Jenkins. It may be the case that your second best left tackle is Elton Jenkins. I mean, he might be the best player on the team at all three interior spots. I think it's likely he's the best right tackle on the team. And I think it's likely he's the second best left tackle on the team. So where do you play him? Where do you play him? I think it has more to do with where those other guys fit in. If Josh Myers comes out and plays like one of the five best offensive linemen he's going to play, he's going to start, he's going to be the center. Then you fight about, you know, who else does what. I think, you know, they said when they when they drafted him, they wouldn't commit. You know, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? They basically said, we'll put him out there and, and figure it out. Look, if he's one of the best five, you start him. 
If he's one of the best five, he should start. And you, you sort of figure it out from there. And the, and the fact that you have this flexibility with two guys who can play guard or tackle in Turner and Jenkins, you hope Newman can do both. Then you have three guys who can do both. And so then you're just going to throw the best five out there. We, we saw that you, you need that continuity. You, you need that continuity. But we also saw that this team has the coaching and the talent that when they, they have these adversity moments, when they need to cobble something together, they can do it. And, and I think that gives you a lot of faith in how they're going to handle all of this. TJ Slayton, you know, the, the role I think is pretty obvious about, about what he would look like. He is an interior, he's a nose tackle block eater. I mean, that's what he is. And so, okay, all of Montrevious Adams snaps, you get. All of Billy Wynn snaps, all of Billy Price's snaps, all of Damon Harrison snaps, you get. Okay, well, that's a guy all of a sudden playing, you know, 18, 19% of snaps, 20% of snaps. Now the Packers brought back Tyler Lancaster. You have to feel like, you know, that's a that's a role that he that he is best fit into. Lancaster played, you know, 34% of snaps last year. I think you're going to see an elevated role for Kingsley Kiki if he can stay healthy. The question is, what do you do with Dean Lowry? What if they need or want to use that money? And they cut Dean Lowry. Maybe they post June one him. Or maybe they just feel like, hey, look, we we just don't need it. He's not someone who consistently affects the passing game. And so maybe you'd rather give the snaps to TJ Slayton. I don't think we we can expect him to come in and have a big impact. Fifth round picks rarely do. I think he is a a little bit of a lottery ticket fifth round pick, a shot in the dark fifth round pick. He's got he's got physical tools. He's got first step explosion. Uh, I think he can be disruptive eventually. I, I don't know what he can give you as a rookie, but if he can if he can play, you know, out of 60, 70 snaps in a game, if he can play 10, if he can play 15, I, I think you're you're just you just want rotation with defensive linemen, guys that are that are just not gonna kill you. And Green Bay didn't have enough of those guys last year. You know, if he plays 200 snaps this season, that's a win, 250 snaps. So I, I think that's the role that that he can play. Shamartine Charles is an interesting one because I think he is going to compete with Shannon Sullivan for that nickel spot. I like what he brings. Um, he, he is also not an elite athlete. So how, how much does that limit his upside? Now, I think as someone who studies, as someone who is technically sound, as someone who is feisty and aggressive, he is someone who could look good in practice. He's someone who could look good in preseason games and could push Shannon Sullivan for that job. It is rare that you go, yeah, this fifth round pick because of from Appalachian State of all places, because of the skill set and because of the role that he could play, could push to play right away. I think that's real. Now, could he come in this year and play 70% of snaps for Green Bay? Man, that's asking a lot. But if Shannon Sullivan got hurt and Gene Charles came in in week six, and just never gave the job up, would that be surprising to me? No. And and by the way, the same is true of Eric Stokes or Josh Jackson. But we're mostly, you know, we're focused on the rookies. 
I think he, I think that could be a real thing. Now, I, I am still a believer in Shannon Sullivan. Um, I think he is best from a more off position reading and reacting to the quarterback. He's got really good click and close. He's got good instincts. He's got good ball skills. I like him in off. I like him in this defense, and I think he can have, you know, sort of a re-breakout season. I think you you could see some of the playmaking when he was a dime safety for Mike Patton, and I think in this defense, he's going to get the opportunity to do a little bit more of that. You know, these other guys on the list, um, you know, Cole Van Lannon is someone who is going to compete inside. He's going to be a guard. I don't, I don't think he's going to be ready right away. I don't think he can compete with John Runyon Jr. And, and Josh Myers for those other two spots. But, you know, maybe he makes Lucas Patrick expendable in a year or two. And, and that's the value there. Of course, for a six-round pick, that's easy. That's easy value. What's interesting is I think Isaiah McDuffie right away, special teams, no doubter. But wh- why couldn't he play a, a hybrid role? Why couldn't he come in and give you some of what Raven Green gave you? I mean, I think that's the that's the role he was is athletically best suited to play. Why couldn't he do that? His ability to come downhill to make plays. That's what you want from that box guy. I think Raven Green was asked to do a little bit too much last year in terms of covering in the slot. I think he's better as, as an underneath rover defender, someone you can blitz, someone you can spot drop in zone. I, I think that's what you're, you want from, from that role. And I think Isaiah McDuffie can do it. And then Kylan Hill, look, Kylan Hill's going to play. Kylan Hill's going to play because backup running backs play because running backs get hurt. I mean, that's just the reality of the league. So if you take all the snaps from last year at, in this running back room uh, and and exclude the fact that Tyler Irvin is not really a running back, <laughs> Aaron Jones only played 51% of snaps. Jamal Williams played 40% of snaps. I think y- you move Dylan to where Williams was and... You're going to take all of these other snaps from these other guys, you know, Dexter Williams and A.J. Dillon last year, you know, rookie A.J. Dillon, and you're going to give them to Kylan Hill. Well, that's 10% of snaps, six, seven, eight snaps a game. That's not a huge workload, but it's something. And I, I think he's going to be useful. I think he's going to be a nice player. Now, you're not going to draw plays for him, and he's not going to be some sort of gadget guy or anything like that, but he can come in and run your offense. And from a seventh-round pick, I mean, that's like stealing. That's like stealing. So, I mean, I really like the value there, and I think those guys are going to have a chance to come in and actually give the Packers meaningful snaps. Is it going to be a ton of snaps? No. But meaningful ones? Yeah, potentially. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar has nine base flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate, all of them delicious. Plus, they've got these limited edition flavors that come and go. And, and when the really popular ones hit, you have to be lightning fast to get them because they will be gone before you know it. Because these things are the goods. They are delicious They are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. The best tasting protein bar truly ever. This is not just something you say in an ad. It is true. I have tried seemingly every protein bar at the supermarket. And this is the only one that I found where I go, I want to eat that. It is legitimately delicious. And you can try it. 
Go to BillPar.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BillPar.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. It's the biggest stories in sports in under 20 minutes. I host it. I would love it if you would go check it out on the Odyssey podcast app or wherever you get podcasts. Remember, we have Tyler Grisham coming on the show tomorrow. Clemson receivers coach talk about Amari Rogers as part of our Rookie orientation series, Ty Dunn, formerly Bleacher Report, is going to be on the show later to talk about the piece he wrote about Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I know that that there are a lot of Packer fans who don't like Tyler, don't like some of the stuff that he's written. So I'm going to give him the opportunity to come on and, and talk about that and address some of it and, and address some of that criticism head on. I think the last time um, he was on, we did that. And I asked him, I said, do you do you feel like your perspective on some of this has changed? Do you think um, some of the players perspective has changed? And he was honest about it. And then I always appreciate that about Ty. So um, we're going to have him on a little bit later in the week. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.